Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, today we have a very special guest with us on the I Drink From Skulls podcast. We have the legend from Leicester City. He's the sales god from the Gold Coast. He's a family man. He's a father. He's the founder of the Swish Methodology, Mr. Ryan Tuckwood. I did my own chair. That's a bloody good intro. How are you, mate? Good to see you. I'm doing tremendously okay. How are Man, you? I'm, I'm exceptional. I'm excited to be on here, but maybe a little bit nervous as well. Um, it is the best titled podcast in the world, in my opinion, so I'm excited to be here. You like a little bit of skull drinking, I sir? do, I do. I've actually got more skulls on t-shirts than anything else consistently. For some reason, I've always had a, um, a bit of a tendency for skulls. I don't know why, but uh, maybe we were always destined to... to to be sitting here together drinking from them. I love that. Let's go. I drink from skulls. Drink from the skulls of my enemies. Mate, for the viewers and subscribers, who is Ryan Tuckwood? Professional or personal or a combination? Oh, I love a combo. combo. Um, I'm 40 years old. I am from a place called Leicester in the UK. Um, I now live in a beautiful place called the Gold Coast in Australia. Uh, moved out here in 2010 from um, after eight years of being a mechanical maintenance engineer. So I was uh, I was doing that for from 2000 uh, from the age of 19, sorry, all the way through to the age of 27. Very process orientated individual. Love data, love stats, love facts. Moved over to Australia with a bit of a hope and a backpack. And uh, fell into the world of sales, kicking and screaming, didn't want to be in sales. Realized very quickly that I shouldn't be in sales either. I'm a, a classic sort of introvert that dresses like an extrovert um, and got punched in the face about 300 times a day in a cold call center back in 2010, uh, which was my first foray into sales. Um, I will put some more meat around that shortly, I'm sure. But um, to bring us up to today, um, I now own um, and co-founded a company called swish sales coaching here on the gold coast swish is an acronym for selling with integrity and selling honestly with a mission of changing the perception of sales and sales people um more importantly than any of that i've got a uh, beautiful family i've got a, a young boys called maverick and fox who are four years old and two years old uh, that run amok um and they are uh, <laughs> they are the best thing in my life so that kind of gives you a real quick synopsis of who i am um, where I come from. Yeah, appreciate that. You mentioned something there that I'd love to dig in a little bit further to, uh, that you're more of an introvert than an extrovert. Is that something you see, um, you know, in the sales industry? It's a common belief that you need to have the gift of the gab. You need to be able to talk and make moves and have big swings and make things happen. Yeah. Uh, uh, more recently, I guess the last two or three years as well, I'm seeing it more in in the speaking world, not just not just the sales world, but on the, dare I say, the speaking circuit, uh, which I don't really like that phrase, but most people know what I mean by that. And you, you see a lot of performers, singers, actors, actresses, they're, they're actually introverts um, and they have a creative side to them, but they didn't know how to bring it out until they were trained how to do it. Um, and that is arguably one of the reasons we created Swish as well. It was for people like me. Um, that they, they don't have the gift of the gab, as you say. They're not a, a sort of an individual that can let rejection and confrontation and friction just wash over them. So they, they're good people, genuine people that have got a good business, they've got a good product, and they want to make positive impact, but maybe they don't have the natural confidence of some other people to put themselves out there. So when you tie that good intention to great skills, they're the ones that really excel. Um, and 
I often cite uh, Beyonce, uh, which I bet you didn't think I was going to talk about her today. Uh, <laughs> she's got her alter ego, Sasha Fierce, and she created that alter ego because she is a, an introvert by nature as well and needed to create this alter ego, this other character that can be on stage for her. And eventually she learned to embody her. And um, I definitely did fall in the, into that world initially of thinking, I'm not cut out for this because I'm not the classic extrovert. Now I realize it's actually a gift. And it was only because one person saw that in me when I didn't um, that I'm now truly passionate about helping other people find that in them as well. Because most of us don't realize the gift we have until somebody sees it in us. Love that. Do you have an alter ego? Uh, I, I do. <laughs> I do, I do. Mine's <laughs> called Raphael. Um, I created mine, and there's a bit of a story to that as well. So when I was a kid, there was a, a an Italian boy that joined our young, and I'm talking like under 10 years old here. There was an Italian kid called Raphael. I've never spoke about this on a podcast. Um, there you go. And I just thought he was cool. It was a much better name than Ryan. And and I remember talking to my parents about this, saying, why, was, why is my name not Raphael? Why did I get like a boring name like Ryan? Um, so I did an exercise once with a guy called Luke Mathers, who you would know, and um, and the the exercise is called Finding Carlos. And there's a series of questions that he goes through where he helps you find your your alter ego or the best version of yourself. And that's based around looking at characteristics and personality types of people that you admire, starting with celebrities, going into sports stars, going into friends, colleagues, peers, people that are around you. And you pull all these characteristics together and then you pull out the top three. Um, and the, the top three then build out your alter ego. Um, and then the last thing he does is make you name it, name that person. Um, and for me, instinctively, I don't even know why it came from when I was like eight, nine years old. I was like, that's Raphael. Uh, <laughs> and now, um, the what kind of yeah. all comes together is that when you're trying to make a decision, you're trying to do something that's a little bit out of your comfort zone. So for me, as a business owner, we've got to make decisions. We've got to make them quickly. We've got to make tough decisions. We've got to have tough conversations. Speaking on stage is not something that I was very comfortable with until recent years. I would just say to myself, what would Raphael do? Um, and one of Raphael's traits gotcha. was bravery, creativity, and inspiration. They were the three. So I would like, well, Raphael would be brave. Raphael would be the inspiration to all these other people in the room. Raphael would be creative in this situation. So, uh, so my alter ego is Raphael. There you go. I actually remember now Now that you mention it, doing that exercise with you a couple of years ago, and mine was John Wick and <laughs> Relentlessness, and which is kind of funny because you, and you gave me the nudge I needed to go and speak on stage. First time I've done that was a couple of weeks ago. Um, and all of the feedback was like, hey, you're not this dude who's screaming at us, uh, drinking from skulls. You're actually really nice. And I'm like, oh, I've let everyone down, but maybe that's part of it. Like, yeah building into that character and that alter ego. And, and I think you you do, you, you grow into it. And, and th this can sometimes be misconstrued as being somebody that you're not. It's not about being somebody that you're not. It's about stepping into a version of you that allows you to excel. Um, yeah. Raphael is not a ruthless version of me. It's it, That's always inside me, but sometimes we need a mental shift to be able to access it. Um, and I dare say uh, you might have even seen in me in recent years from seeing me on stage or speaking at events to how I am now. I, I, I feel, and I've watched videos back too many times, I'm a bit more direct with people now because I'm yeah. absolutely certain in the impact that we can have. And I now see it as a responsibility. And that, that comes from inadvertently now, maybe unconsciously asking myself, what would Raphael do in this situation? If I had somebody 
I knew needed a little bit of help. Where is the integrity in, in not at least not pushing them, but at least letting them know the impact of not changing. And that probably stands out on stage as well now. Um, and I dare say, as you go on your journey of speaking, which is only just begun, um, yeah. then uh, you'll find the happy medium between Matt and John Wick. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Don't be afraid to uh, pull people into line and kick some ass if you need to. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean that's a mentoring thing as well, isn't it? I, um, I looked back at some of my... Uh, well, I take it back a step, right? I was trying to figure out how I could be a better coach, how I could be a better mentor for people and by understanding my own limitations. And then I, I, I took it back a step further and it was something that I, I'm sure Harry said it to me, um, Harry Singer, one of my other coaches. He said, well, who gets the best out of you? Like when I've had loads of mentors since I arrived in Australia, none, no personal development up until 2010. And I looked back at the, the people that had the best impact on me and it was arguably the ones that were harshest with me. The ones that I didn't yeah. like their advice, I didn't want their advice, and they'd call me on my bullshit. And I'm like, okay, so if that gets the best out of people, not everybody, but if that does get the best out of people, maybe I need to be able to channel that a little bit at the right time with the right person. Uh, so yeah. yeah, sometimes a bit of a kick in, kick up the arse is needed. <laughs> I definitely know from my personal experience, that's the same for me. Needing the, the kick up the butt, it seems to get the best result for me. Done in the right way, obviously, yeah. but I certainly know what you mean. I'd say Swish... Been in business for nine years now, is that right? Uh, yeah, just uh, we're into our ninth. Yeah, we're in year nine now. Yeah, we'll be nine in October. That's a fantastic. Congratulations. What I want to talk about, and we'll shift gears here a little bit, it's made to look business specifically and being successful. People make it look very easy. You know, we share things on social media, throw up a couple of pages, throw up a few ads, and you're a millionaire. And we, we, we all know that's actually not the case. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the struggles. I want to keep it real with people. So I want to focus on some of the struggles that you've had personally, also as a, as a father and a family man and in business in general. Yeah, the four-hour work week. I'm <laughs> yeah. yet to make, meet somebody that genuinely has just read that book and then gone, well, that's that sorted. What do I do with the other 36 hours this week? <laughs> it, it's hard, isn't it? Like it's it's really bloody hard. And and as you know, this was my first business. Um, I've since had a real estate investment company that still runs. Me and my wife had a uh, we have a hair salon that still runs. So I, I feel fortunate in a way that I've now had three businesses that are all still running. But that doesn't mean it's easy. Um, the biggest challenges I've faced, I I think naivety, like very i know there's naivety you don't know what you don't know right um and this is why i'm yeah. such a big advocate for mentors and coaches these days not just because that's what we do but in in every uh, facet of of business whether it be finance whether it be scaling um uh, whether it be hr um uh, whether it be um from a, a marketing perspective like get experts in that know what to do that's their niche i was for a long time trying to figure everything out myself and i'm gonna say myself myself and jack and i yeah. were not good business owners we were great salespeople. So we knew how to drive revenue. We didn't know how to grow a business. And there's a, there's a huge difference between the two. Um, one of my coaches, Anna Samios, she always talks about the jaws of margin in a business. So yes, we're making money, but our expenses are chasing them down very, very quickly. So we need to learn how to kind of create that where they pull apart. We didn't know how to do that, right? I didn't know how to systemize things, things didn't know what um, automations to put in place. Didn't even know where to start. Of the stuff you talk about around ads, like I was a classic press the boost or the promote button on Facebook and hope for the best. And then when leads didn't come in, I'd be like, that, well, that doesn't work. That's crap. What was <laughs> And then you get, get somebody like you in and you're like, yeah, yeah, don't, don't do that. <laughs> so 
<laughs> so I think a lot of naivety. Um, other areas that I struggled from a business sense um, with people. Um, we've had probably in nine years about 50 staff yeah, like, right. come and go. Um, in the early days, really struggled with people leaving. Um, and we did start, again, I'm sure most businesses, a lot of businesses will start like this with like family and friends and people that are close to us. Yeah. Really hard to let them go if they're not performing. Never been trained how to let somebody go. So I don't even know how to have that conversation. And then people coming up to you and saying, hey, I've been poached. I'm going elsewhere and you don't have the funds to pay them a bigger wage. And you start then second guessing everything that you've done. Um, how could I have treated them better? Could I have paid them more? Blah, blah. Is this, do they not see the vision? Is this business going under? So personnel, HR, I, I, I struggle with a lot. There was um, one conversation I had with one of our investors, Andrew Banks, that I don't know, but it really sticks with me. Just it's so simple. And he just said to me, there's always someone else, always yeah. someone else. Every role, every division, every capability, there's always someone else. Allow yourself to sit in the frustration of somebody leaving or somebody not working out. But don't stay there because there is always someone else. And until I realized that, I would also keep people on for too long. Uh, yeah. Holding on to, dare I say, B players or even C players for too long because I didn't believe that they would be able to replace them. So I'd rather have an inefficient person in the process than nobody there. What I realized is by letting people go if they're not up to the standard of everybody else or if they're not coming on the journey with you for whatever reason, some, sometimes you outgrow people. You actually get thanked by the rest of the team when you let them go because that yeah. inefficiency is actually having a knock-on effect amongst everybody else. So, so that's some of the hardest things that I've I've struggled with. Um, you probably know this as well. Branding, like putting my face out there, I yeah. really struggled with that as an introvert. It didn't make that I would be on a podcast or put myself in front of a camera and put it on Facebook for people to critique or stand on stage. That took me. 2014, we started. 2017 was my first video, I believe. So three years before. Yeah, wow. to put out any content i left it all to the business my business partner jack initially there's been a direct correlation with me creating a personal brand and me generating a lot of leads for this business it's not even it's so obvious and most people know it but i just didn't do it consistently enough even when i first started two challenges there what was the other part um family wise and putting it all together got a magic pill no <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> and, if, and if anybody has, can you reach out to me? It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> there, there is no balance. There's counterbalance. I mean, I've put a lot of things in place to try to find that. And when I talk about things, I'm talking about like just daily structures. My wife and I communicate often and frequently about what what are we doing in the evenings? Like as in 5.30 till 8 o'clock is family time. 8 o'clock until 10 o'clock, I'm back on my computer building the business or working on the business. We do the kindy run in the morning she'll drop me um in the office so we can spend time as much time together there uh, we have date lunches planned i have weekends off now first two years i didn't i worked seven days a week 14 hour days wearing it as a badge of honor i uh, drive myself into yeah. the ground have i had a fit in bali in a restaurant in the middle of the day passed out because i was totally burnt out and didn't even realize it until i stopped so I don't think there's balance. I think there's counterbalance. I think when you're in on a topic or on, on something, so when I'm at work, I'm all at work. When I'm at home and I'm in family time, I'm all in family time and my kids have got my undivided attention. But setting those parameters early and, and explaining the necessity for doing that, that the mistake I made in the early days was thinking sitting at home with my wife, uh, probably even before the kids, on my laptop is not me being, being present. 
I, I'm not at work yeah. and I'm not with her and nobody's getting a good version of me. So they were, they were some mistakes for sure. Yeah. I, every now and again, I'll share a photo of my diary, my calendar and stuff like that. And I get, I get heaps of messages about it. They're like, oh, how'd you get so good at this? How'd you dial this in? I'm like, well, before I met Ryan Tuckwood, it was, it was a dog's breakfast. My <laughs> personality focusing on six things at once, doing nothing very well. And everything in between but being ruthless with your diary is something that you taught me very well yeah. um, and really being intentional with that time that that phrase is 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 spot on i think yeah ruthlessly protect your time it's the only thing you won't get back um and if you feel a need to respond to an email instantly if you are booking anybody into your diary um at the drop of a hat because they want your attention this is i mean we talk about sales but just communication we can we need to communicate and manage expectations of everybody around us better. When I, and, and anybody that's a new business owner will probably relate to this. When I first started the company, my mates would just walk in the office in the middle of yeah. the day. And then I'll be like, oh, I, I don't have time for a coffee. I'm, I'm working. And they'd be like, but you own the business. And I'm like, that's exactly why I can't go for a coffee. <laughs> um, and that the impression that that would then leave to the rest of the team is is not good. So I had to slowly, and I, and I don't remember who told me this, but somebody told me to do um years ago I, I heard it somewhere was just don't reply to your friends in working hours and slowly they yeah. will get conditioned to the times that you do respond and then they will only message you outside of those hours so i even do it to my prospects and clients like very early on if i'm sitting on a consultation with a potential new client um, or i'm meeting somebody for the first time if the next touch point is i'll send you an email or i'll speak to you over the next few days i'll, I'll always drop in there just as part of my process um, by the way, if I don't reply to you between 5.30 and 8 o'clock, that's because that's my family time. I'm very dedicated to that. Um, but rest assured, I will reply outside of those hours. Now, I've never had any kickback on that. If anything, I feel like it's connected me better with the individual that I'm talking to and they respect it. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. setting those parameters early is really, really important to protecting your diary. I feel like if you got kickback, you would, you would be... <laughs> Very far along in knowing that they are not the right sort of person for you. If they can't respect that sort of yeah. that boundary and that time, and I, don't, I feel like they wouldn't be the right person yeah. for for you or for anyone. There's two passes. There's the customer, but I also um, thinking about this a second ago about my team. I think another big mistake I made was not being there for my team enough. So feeling like yeah. they know what I'm doing at all times uh, when they don't. Right? They they had some of them had never run a business before. Um, there's the perception that sometimes I'm I'm on a podcast. This is a jolly, right? This is easy. I'm going down to Sydney or Melbourne. I'm on a plane. This is fun. He gets to go to networking events whilst they're grinding years, smashing out calls, dealing with bound yeah. cold calls. I would then come back after two days and I'd be like, oh, I worked with our client down in Sydney. You want to see the results they're getting? They're unbelievable. They've seen 32% growth. And it was always like, yeah, great. So our clients are doing really well, but when do you help us? Yeah. And I inadvertently through determination to grow the business, I actually neglected the people that were keeping the business afloat. And and there was one really specific thing that Glenn Richards, another investor, pulled me up on. I had time for my team outside of working hours. And I would say to them, look, you can, you can book into my diary every week. We can have half an hour together. We can do some training, we can do some coaching, some mentoring. But I had it before they started officially on the book and after, after hours. And Glenn was like, what message does that give to them of how much you value their paid time. So he yeah. told me to flip that around and just pull their, what we call the training, coaching, mentoring time, the dedication to them within working hours, which means I value you so much. I'm going to train you and pay you for it at exactly the same time. And whilst letting them know, just, just communicating often, communicating well, 
why I'm down in Sydney. Why am I doing a podcast? What's the benefit to this um, long term? Like we, our mission is to change the perception. The more people know about this, um, the better. And just not assuming that they know what's happening. Um, and that I felt brought us a lot closer together. So that's probably one of the best takeaways I've ever heard on on any of the podcasts I've been on or, or interviewed people with. So I really hope people take note of that, mate. That was fantastic. Appreciate it. How do you you, you realised this with your team. How did you go about changing that? Pulling it all together. Um, just, yep. just scanning all the way back out for, for um, looking at the business and going, what are we trying to achieve, guys? What is our big, hairy, audacious goal um, to impact 1 million people through the Swish sales methodology by 2030? Right? How do we achieve that? We need to reach more people. What strategies have we got to reach more people? And it was networking events, keynotes, trade shows, podcasts. Okay, so... What we do know in accordance with human behavior is that people buy people, people don't buy brand necessarily. They buy the person, the human first. So I'm putting my hand up here to be that person as the face of, as the founder of the company and the founder of the the sales strategy and the method. So what I am going to be doing to help drive business, to make sure that we can impact as many people as possible. Ultimately, you guys are going to get leads from this. Um, I'm going to be doing this, that, and the other. Um, So rest assured, even though it might look like this, this is what I'm doing and I'm trying to achieve. Um, and also helping them realize that I don't want to be away from my kids. I don't want to be stuck in traffic with all due respect down in Sydney yeah. and Melbourne, getting up at 4am to get a flight down, to fly in, fly out for a keynote and stuff like that. Like It's good when I'm there, but there's certain parts of it that are not as glamorous as I think some people realize. And I think the thing I, I had to do was put myself in their shoes. When I was an employee and if I saw anybody else doing that, I didn't, I thought that they just led a glamorous life and it's certainly, yeah. there's a grind that comes with it. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm very, very fortunate. Uh, and I always kind of channel back to my engineering days and go, would I rather be stuck in traffic in an Uber in Sydney, traveling 45 minutes to get 3K or covered in grease and oil at 3am on a 12 hour night shift changing a gearbox? I'm so glad you're in rainy Sydney right now. <laughs> so uh, so I, I, I think... Letting them know the full picture is really, really important and reinforcing it often as well. Not just saying it once and hoping it goes in, but just that, that gentle reminder over time um, is, is very important. Yeah, I love that. You even go, and you taught me this one, but you go as so far as to ensure that there's 30% of, of the time that you have available for training, coaching, and mentoring. Is that right? Yeah. So um, I've got a, there's a, there's a, there's four pillars of, of what we call elite. Uh, daily structure. 30% of my time is spent doing my job. So actually delivery of training. So work out how many hours a week you would like to spend. Ideally, you create your perfect week, which is not always easy. So say 50 hours a week. So 30% would be 15 hours delivering training. Another 30%, so 15 hours working on the business, so business development. 30% of my week is then spent in training my team or working with my team. So that could be in personal development reviews. It could be training, coaching, mentoring, It could be just a a team breakfast that we go out for, but actually spending time with them um, and diarizing it ahead. Like my diary is 12 to 18 months in advance all the time. They're the first things that go in. They they go in above everything else and and we protect them with everything that we have, regardless of the client. I know that's a a battle that you got to go through. You got a a big potential client and they want to take over one of your spots with an appointment with, with your team member. What value does that put upon the team member when they see that keep getting shuffled and moved? And then the final 10% is, those of them doing the maths, is uh, variables for when shit hits the fan. 
which invariably will um, from time to time as well. So if there is something that comes up in one of those meetings and I can't deal with it there and then, I've got five hours a week already scheduled for dealing with that stuff. If I don't need five hours, I've all, or also got backup tasks at all times of things that I can do when I've been given time back. Gotcha. That's an awesome system and, and it's the, the approach we've implemented. You held my hand and, and not forced us, but you showed us the light <laughs> there. How do you start though? Like most people, they're busy, they're running around like lunatics, drinking from scales, doing what they do. And they might have, you know, three, four, six weeks of commitments and things like that. Where, like, where do they start? How do they draw the one in the sand? Yeah, I think, I think that's it. You got to find the sand. <laughs> you can't yeah. draw a line in the sand that you can't see. So even if, so for me, when I first did this, I think it was about six or seven months in advance before I had any like proper space in my diary. So you look for that window and you go, okay, well, there's my line of the sand from August the 17th or the week commencing August the 17th. I don't know how far in advance that is. That is where I'm going to design my perfect week. Right. And, and is it perfect every week? No, but look at your diary right now and go, yeah, there's going to be a tail. I've got appointments here. I'm flying down here. I've got to take the kids to this. I've got this, that, and the other. From there, it stops, right? I take control. I right? know more. And it's a battle, right? It's about, I'm still battling it all the time to, as you know, I've got the month of April off. Uh, my sister arrives here a week today from the UK. She's never been here in 13 years since I've been here. So like, I'm trying to squeeze 11 months worth of, 12 months worth of work into 11 months, come take an April off. My parents were here in January, has had two weeks with them. My sister's here in March, I had two weeks with them. So I'm almost losing a month there with all due respect as well. So I'm actually squeezing 12 months into 10 months and trying to do it between the hours of 8.30 and 5.30. So I've still got 5.30 to 8 o'clock with my family time and I've got all weekends off. So I'm not shifting the diary at all. I'm just being more efficient with the time that I've got. So that means I'm saying no to more coffees. I'm saying no to pointless meetings. I'm refining the systems and processes that we've got in here. Touch wood. I mean, I'm not in April just yet, um, <laughs> but we're doing it. Like you, there's so much in it. a business um, yeah. and we, we just let it kind of pad out and we let it consume us until we go, I've had enough, this isn't fun. And then we go back to employment world um, because that's sometimes easier than actually running and scaling a business. So find the sand, draw a line in it, um, and then create whatever perfect would look like for you. Don't aim for perfect, um, just aim for better. I'll tell you one thing, we ain't going to cry to you about not having enough time to do something, are we? <laughs> I remember, um, so I know I keep mentioning our investors, but we got three uh, for context. So Steve's another one, Steve Baxter. And I remember saying to him about time, I, I didn't say I don't have enough time, but I definitely alluded to it once. And I think at the time he had like 31 businesses in his portfolio. He had uh, wow. three daughters, he had twins and then and an elder girl. And he said, do you really want to have a conversation with somebody that's got three daughters under 10 and 31 businesses? <laughs> yeah. No, let's leave that one. <laughs> Yeah, we've all got the same amount of time, right? Exactly. That's um, I love that you brought that up. I want to focus a little bit on that for um, our, you know, our our viewers are predominantly based in America. Um, so for reference, Ryan um, has three investors in his business. They are phenomenal. They're they're, they're business leaders. Um, I think billionaire like billionaire status or they've created billion dollar companies and they they are three of the five investors on the australian version of shark tank so just a phenomenal effort to have them invest in your business number one and then to keep them number two 
And you were on the Shark Tank show, so that was pretty cool too, right? Yeah, that, yeah, that was an interesting experience. And we've just found out they're bringing the show back as well after five years. So, wow, it's yep. kind of cool, but also a bit sad because we were always on the last season because we yep. were the last season. So I don't know what, what went wrong after we were on there, but they were like, no more. They're, they've been phenomenal. Um, the experience was terrifying, but um, I actually had this conversation about an hour ago with another guy. And there's pros and cons to bringing three really, really strong and bright heads on board at exactly the same time. So it, it, yeah. it probably took about 12 to 18 months to figure out who do I go to for what? Because they've all got their own genius. And if you go to them all for the same thing, you get conflicting messages. So it was yeah. less like a relationship. It was like figuring out, okay, what is their <laughs> skill? What, what, I was going to say, you use is probably not the right word, but you get what I mean. What would I use that yeah, person yeah. for? Um, how do yeah. I get the best out of them as an investor or a connector? Um, and connecting us to different businesses and giving us credibility in a, in a, in the corporate world has been, um, phenomenal. So yeah, it's been a, a crazy journey. Mate, 2023, the talk is doom and gloom. If you turn on the news station, who knows what they're saying, but things aren't looking great if you listen to the noise. I'd love to hear what the your investors, the Sharks, have been advising yourself um, and the companies they invest in on how to approach 2023. Mm. It's, it's an interesting one. Um, and the world is weird, right? It's uh, like the, there's doom and gloom or there's opportunity and, and the weird or interesting thing right now is that they're talking about both, right? So I've had a very consistent message from all three of them to just keep things tight this year. Um, that's the first time, first time they've ever said that to me. Is just and they're, and they're doing this the whole portfolio. Um, just 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 keep things tight regardless of where you're at, yep. but be ready for opportunity. Um, as in, especially from a personnel perspective, there's a lot of talent being let go at the moment all over the place. Yeah. So be nimble, have an ability to to get great talent when you can make sure that we're doing profitable deals so this is not a year for um lose win deals this is a year a year for win-win deals so a lose win deal is obviously to get a brand on board for credibility but maybe it's not a uh, as profitable year one that this year is not the year to be doing that the consistent message though and this is so that that's right now 2023 but there's been a consistent message overall from from all three of them and this has probably been the biggest shift in my mindset as a somebody that's never run a business before, is to think bigger. In general, think bigger. Um, always be planning three years ahead, but working day to day. So there's a, there's a lovely quote, and I'm probably going to ruin it by, by Glenn, where he talks about uh, he went for a golf lesson once and um, his coach was telling, uh, he, he was trying to hit the ball, uh, the ball as far down the fairway as he could, um, and he and he just kept shanking it, or it wasn't going as far as it as, it, as his potential uh, suggested. And the coach just said to him, "Where are you looking?" And he says, "I'm just looking right down there between between the trees." And he said, "Just raise your line of sight a little bit and look up there above the clouds." And he says, "Well, what what do you mean? I want to go straight." He's like, "Don't worry about that. Just look up there at the clouds." Anyway, <laughs> uh, lined it lined it up, hit the shot, um, and it was the best, most sweetest shot he's ever hit. He said, "What did you do?" He said, "I just got you to raise your line of sight." You were looking down and in, you need to be looking up and out. And I think as business owners, often we do that. We look down and in, yeah. we look at the day-to-day, we, we get caught up in the fear-mongering. And yeah, there is a lot of things that are, are going to make businesses struggle this year and um, things are going to be tight, but that doesn't mean we can't think big at the same time. So I'm being cautious, of course, 
Um, I think we should always be cautious in general and, and make sure that we're a profitable business, not just chasing vanity metrics. Um, but at the same time, don't lose sight of the opportunity that's out there because it is it is huge. In our industry, and I'm sure it's the same in a lot of industries, there's, so for some reason, there's a tendency to, to, to slate other companies that are in your industry. And I, and I hate that. There is, yeah. There's 8 billion people on this planet. There's every single one of them can better articulate their message in some way, shape or form. Like There's a big pie out there for everybody. So think big and then you stop getting caught up in the day-to-day mundane and caught up in all the fear mongering. Yeah, I love that. That's a great nugget right there. Mate, let's try and give the the, the viewers a little bit of game here. For full perspective, uh, you helped me go from closing 30% closer now to 70% by making some simple tweaks. What what can people do to get better at sales, have better impact, and really just suck less? Now, there's lots of things, um, of course, but um, <laughs> without, without turning it into too much of a science, um, sales, I always say, firstly, sales is easy. Right. And I don't say that. I say that very intentionally, right? Sales is easy because you can overpromise and underdeliver. Or you can make a sale. Creating a client for life is what's hard. Getting a client yep. to come on board, use your services, whether they can use it once or twice doesn't matter. But absolutely love you that they're going to give you referrals means that you've actually got to sell with integrity, sell honestly, um, and deliver on your promises. That's hard, right? The way you do that is by getting them to connect with you as a human. So there's three verticals that we always talk about. We call it our 300% rule of value, um, MCP, myself, company, product. The key to the 300% rule of value is that people buy in that order. So as you're sitting with a potential client, uh, an inbound inquiry, a cold outreach, whatever it is, you've got to remember that they're buying you first. They're buying the company second, and they're buying the product or service that you have to offer third. It, it is not the least important, but it is the least important in regards of order. Um, so they're equally important, but if they don't connect with you first, they're not even going to hear the value you have to offer around your product or service. So I see that done a, wrong a lot, um, is that people call up and they go, hey, Matt, yeah, what are you looking for? Uh, I, need, um, I, I need my roof fixing. Okay, fantastic. Um, yeah, uh, when do you need it done by? Yeah, what happened? And they're focused product. When do you need a bump done by? What's your budget? Blah, blah, blah. Like it's just surface level, the exact same as everybody else is doing. So our yeah. sequence of questions need to change. And, and I, I can give you the sequence that we go through. And we also need to be able to elegantly drop in those sequence of questions, value on ourselves. And that can be as simple as saying, um, so Ryan, in the last 14 years, um, since I've been in the roofing industry, one thing that I do know is that there's a few different reasons that this could happen. So talk to me about what happened. What you just heard was I've been in the industry for 14 years. That is a, what we call a value builder in M myself, yeah. right? Really easy. Every single person listening to this around the world can say in the time that I've been in this industry, or one thing that I've learned in the last seven years is this 13 years ago, when I first got into sales, I didn't know that. And that's what we call a vulnerability statement, which is also a connector. I didn't know that this. I wasn't aware that this until I saw this. So there's lots of little one-liners. They might have listened to that back to grab some of them um, that are valuable. But to lead into the questions, the sequence and the order of which you ask your questions is of paramount importance if you want it to work with human buying behavior. The easy version, the easiest way to look at it is it, you just go past, present, future. So think about the questions that you're asking. Are we asking questions about something they've done previously or how whatever happened or how they became to be where, uh, where they are today? Then we're going to talk about today. 
how's everything working out for them and then we're going to talk about their ideal scenario where they would like to be usually average salespeople or business owners or people that have had no training or no fault of their own will go straight to the future so what are you looking for what's the ideal scenario for you here whereas what i would look to do first is go through what we call reflective questions looking back and say matt before we get into into the nitty-gritty just give me a little bit of context you, you did it in this podcast right ryan who's ryan tell me about you personally professionally like, take me back because it's important that you have context to see the next part as valuable otherwise it's just coming from another person on the other end of the phone and i don't i, I don't know who you are i don't know what value you hold which is going to stop me giving you information which could be valuable so we go reflective yep. questions looking back we go reality check questions which is where are you now how's that affecting you we do opportunity questions looking forward so how soon do you want that sorted out um, um what's the ideal scenario for you then we do the cost of inaction question stage four which is what happens if we don't get this fixed what if we stay as we are so they're the ramifications of doing nothing and then we do what we call partnership questions so what is it you're looking for in a provider of xyz if you were to choose somebody that offered our services not necessarily is but what would you need to see for that to have been a good investment in your eyes so that sequence allows them to come on a journey while showing that you actually care and you should care um so absolutely all we're doing really yeah. is going well how do human beings normally make decisions we know because there's too many studies out there to suggest otherwise that that's the way we make decisions and we're working with it not against it and a lot of people inadvertently work against it mate that was awesome i was taking some notes even just now and i've I've been coached and mentored by you for, I don't know, four or five years now. So I, I just love that. I want to give the viewers a bit more game. I'd love you to share, because I know how powerful this is. I'd love you to share the cardinal sins of sales, the the ugly words, the things people are saying right now that they need to stop today. <laughs> oh, uh, trigger words. Trigger words. Let's have Yeah. Them. So there's, uh, especially some great study out there. Um, there's a company called Gong.io. They're in the US um, and they've studied tens of thousands of sales calls and interactions and they they basically pull out trigger words that when said during a, a sales interaction uh, are proven to reduce your chances of actually making a sale so whatever happens in the buyer's mind at that time they go nah i don't trust you i don't like you that's not for me and you get all these objections um so easy ones are uh, contract we know that contract is a scare word uh, we flip that to agreement an agreement is something that is made between two parties Whereas contract, we feel that is one-sided, it is binding, there's T's and C's, and we get a little bit nervous when we hear that word. So unless you are legally obliged, and most of us are not right up until the point of transaction to say the word contract. So can we change that yep. to agreement? Lock-in is a classic. Um, for those of you that lock me locking in. appointments, <laughs> just, and if we just stop for a second and think about the words, like, and this is what we don't do in, enough, we don't go, what? how could that word be interpreted at speed when i'm under pressure in a day-to-day -day as well unconsciously what is that word doing to me so who likes to be locked into things we don't unless you're into some sort of i'll be careful what i say there some sort of game right? <laughs> we don't like to be locked into things but we do like to feel secure so we just change locked in to secure so i'll secure that opportunity for you now um i'll secure that appointment for you now i'll secure that whatever it is for you now um, so contract, uh, lock-in, um, price fee cost, price fee cost, big yeah. ones. This is a bit of a, a tough one because some of them are hard to change. So it's just an awareness exercise really. But 
change that to investment. Um, everything is an investment. I would challenge anybody on that. Even a, a car, which is a depreciating asset, could be seen as an investment. It could be an investment into confidence, into perception of, of an audience or, or um, their potential. Family safe. So an, an investment gives you an ROI. An ROI doesn't all need, always need to be financial. It could just be confidence, motivation, direction. It could be on your relationship. Like, what is it? Uh, what is it in your industry? Um, whatever. There was one I said right at the start of in the previous uh, previous segment. How long do you want to think about it? How long do you till you want us to come out there and fix that? How soon yeah. is better than how long? So how soon do you want? Not how soon do you want to pay? Not how soon would you like us to get that started? But how soon would you like results? And you insert whatever results they're looking for. So for us, you'll often hear our team saying, well, how soon do you want your team overcoming more objections so they can increase their sales so you can actually be promoted to sales manager? How soon do you want your team being more confident so they know how to follow up without sounding like a cheesy sales professional? So how soon outcome or results, not how soon do you want to get started? Are you there as, as three or four? That's the nuggets right there. Mate, I know I, I want to be respectful of your time. I need to get you home to the lovely Mrs. Tuckwood and your beautiful family. But before you go... Where can people find you? How can people connect with you? I'm pretty social these days. Uh, years ago, nowhere. Uh, but now I'm across uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I think I'm on TikTok, but I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, so go to LinkedIn is professionally, um, but Instagram, Ryan Tuckwood Official. Um, and uh, any of the other channels, feel free to connect with me. It's just Ryan Tuckwood. Fantastic, mate. You have absolutely crushed it. You've drunk from the Skulls on the I Drink From Skulls podcast. Ryan Tuckwood, thank you very much, my good man. Thank you, mate. Really appreciate it. And uh, thank you to everybody that takes time to listen to this. I hope you do find it valuable. That's it from us. We'll see you on the next episode. Rah!